all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? I'm Rachel. And I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. Brought to you by The Rain. <laughs> and welcome, everybody. Welcome. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, Twitch at All Bad Things Pod. Email us allbadthingspod at gmail.com. Join our Facebook discussion group and our Discord. Do all of those things. Indeed. It is raining here. It is. It, it'll not last the entire episode. No, I don't and think so. But if you hear rain... Probably or... nobody would have noticed it. <laughs> I had the to thunder. It out. Yeah. The thunder, probably, because it is thundering. Did you get the flash flood warning on yep. your phone? Yeah. We're likely to get that again. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so if you all of a sudden hear like a very loud... Loud, yes. Uh-huh. Do you remember when um, Trump wanted to institute, like, he could put a, like, Get get a emergency message on your phone if you wanted to. So there was like an don't actual, that. and then I opted out. Well, that was that, that <laughs> was, a, but that was essentially what Twitter was. Mm-hmm. It was his emergency mm-hmm. messaging system. Basically, and now it's what's the knockoff that he's got? Um, like truth, or truth something? social, yes, truth or social. or troth essential, as he's called it before. Because <laughs> he can't. Speak. <laughs> we we need to outlaw drakba. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like. I'm with that. I'm I'm for outlawing outlawing Drakba. What is Drakba? I believe he was trying to say Dropbox, yes. like mail-in Dropboxes. <laughs> but he said Drakba. Oh, I thought he meant the software Dropbox. <laughs> no, that is no, 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 no. See, to me, it sounded like he meant a Star Wars character. Yeah, I'm like, it sounds like, 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 I'm it. like yes, we should defeat Drakba. <laughs> like that's that's something I can get behind. Uh, well, you know, it's just been another normal week in America, yes. in the world at large. It's not like there's been another mass shooting or an assassin. <laughs> yeah, just please send help. <laughs> I mean, really. To be fair, the assassination didn't take place in America. It did not. Uh, and it was not against an American person. It, I mean, think of how rare that is in like a, in a first world country. Yeah. I mean, really. A, a happens, political assassination. Happens yes. in third world countries all the time. Developing nations. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. And we're usually the ones behind it half yes, the time. Yes, that's correct. But yeah, in, a, uh, in an industrial powerhouse, which mm-hmm. is what Japan is, that's... Mm-hmm. And they're... Their gun violence period is just so extremely low. Yeah, like nobody even thinks well, about didn't it. Didn't the guy have like a handmade something like that? Handmade gun yeah. or something? It's just bizarre. Yeah, so that was that was strange, and it's just yeah. I there's like no way you could assassinate our president these days. There's just no way. There's so much like somebody from uh, Secret Service would have to be in on it. That be that would be the only way. Which could be possible. Yeah, I guess it would have to be like a poison, but it couldn't be like a shooting. You know, it had to be like he was poisoned or something like that. I don't know. No, but well, let's not I talk just, no, too let's much not. about how, <laughs> how, how we one assassinate. could. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's just not get yeah. into that at all. <laughs> let's not get into that just yet. Or ever before or ever. the CIA is already listening. But to uh, us. but yeah, it, it's just an odd thing. It's like a. And I thought it's he was. I thought he was still uh, prime, the minister. prime minister. Yeah. yeah. No, through twenty twenty. Yeah. Happened. I didn't know that he wasn't anymore. Yeah. So, I was just like, wow, that's that's really weird. Yeah. Well, it's yeah, like you said, it's very rare. But then again, <laughs> a lot of things that have been happening have then been again, pretty like, unusual. Like a shoot. Like I would love to live in a country where like a like a shooting in public is like a rare thing. Right. Mm-hmm. We live in a country mm-hmm. where it happens statistically several times. Where you a look at and you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So. 
Things are going great. What you drinking? <laughs> <laughs> I'm drinking the uh, finest national local beer on the market. And I am drinking a basic bitch 24-ounce White Claw. You are drinking oh. the finest uh, national seltzer on the market. Yes. Yes, indeed. We'll there call it go. that. There you go. There you go. <laughs> um, so, as of like 10 a.m. this morning, I was going to pull out a listener script. Mm-hmm. Then I sat down and started researching, like started pulling up information on one disaster, which reminded me of another disaster and about four or five hours later, I had six pages of research done. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess we're doing this today. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yay to ADHD and hyper-focusing, you know? So I can do that on a Saturday, but then like 10 a.m. on a Monday, I'm falling asleep at my desk. You yeah. know, that's how that works. Never conveniently. No. Hmm. But I will say, this one's a sleeper scary story. Okay. In that it doesn't seem like it would be scary on the face, it has major implications for every human on Earth. Okay. okay. Is it an asteroid? No. Oh. That's a good question. Uh, good, good guess, but no, it is the exact opposite. Okay. This is the story of the death of Natasha Richardson. Skiing accident? On March 18th, 2009, actor Natasha Richardson died at the age of 45 of an epidural hematoma sustained from a head injury. Ski accident, in quotes. Yeah. It's, we'll get to that. She, it was not a crime, just by the way. <laughs> that right. made it sound no, like I, I was like, oh, yeah, conspiracy? Yeah. No, no, but no. I know what you mean. It's just the circumstances are very scary. Anyway, primary sources are 60 Minutes, ABC News, Biography.com, Britannica.com, Daily News, The Evening Standard, Newsweek, New York Post, People, Pop Sugar, and Wikipedia. This, do you remember when this happened? I do, yeah, because uh, Liam Neeson had like recently become a star again. That's right, mm-hmm. I think the first movie that brought him back was already out. What was the... Taken. Uh, Taken, yeah. I think Taken that was already... Out, no, wait. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was going to say, I thought it was already out by the mm-hmm. time this happened. Yep. I think it happened while he was filming, like, the second one or something like that. We'll get to that. It wasn't taken, but it was a film. Okay. Um, So I remember this. I was at Berkeley. This was... I was at Berkeley January to May 09, and this Mm -hmm. happened right in the middle of that. And I haven't forgotten it since. It's a very scary story. Sure. Um, So, and somehow I managed to write six pages on it. So there we go. All right, so do you know who Natasha Richardson was? Like, if I, I she, said that. I think she she was an actress slash model for a brief period of time, right? Let's get into yeah. that. Yeah. All right. Natasha Richardson comes from the less tragic Kennedys okay. of British acting. So okay. imagine if the Kennedys were, were actors and British and didn't have as much horrible tragedy in their lives things would have gone way smoother <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think everybody can agree on that what i'm trying to say is imagine the political pedigree of the kennedys but make it british, but british acting actors. pedigree yes yeah. okay so she was so, so she's from like a dynasty in acting that's exactly correct in british acting yes. specifically so the, the kennedys are 
come from a dynasty politically. Yes, uh huh. So she's basically from royalty, mm-hmm. but on the British in a different field. Yes, uh huh. Mm-hmm. Her parents were Tony Richardson and Vanessa Redgrave. Do you oh, know I know, I know mm-hmm. the. I think I know Tony Richardson too. I definitely know okay. Vanessa Redgrave. Here's a picture of them. I have many pictures this episode. Vanessa Redgrave and Tony yep. Richardson. Oh, yes, I do know who that is. Yeah. He, how, how do you know who he is? He, doesn't he show up in things? He's not an actor. Oh, he's not? Okay. He's a filmmaker, sir. Maybe that's what I know. Mm. It, well, we'll talk about him here for okay. a minute. So, um, But we're going to go farther back than that. So uh, they were their own version of, like, superstars. And they mm-hmm. were married to each other, too. So uh, Tony Richardson, his full name was Cecil Antonio Richardson... And was Natasha's father. Esquire the third. Well, no, <laughs> no here's even better. He was born in Shipley, West Riding of Yorkshire. Of course. So he was Cecil Antonio Richardson, Shipley, West Riding of Yorkshire. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. It's a lot of British stuff. Yes. <laughs> um, in the annals of film history, Tony Richardson was really influential when it comes to filmmaking. Early in his career, he directed multiple television productions for the BBC. So we're talking like the early mid fifties. Okay, so definitely po- post war, right? Uh, he soon moved to theater directing, where he led the influential productions of two new John Osborne plays: "Look Back in Anger" or "Don't If You're Oasis," right? Ha ha ha. Um, <laughs> and the Entertainer. <laughs> Don't know back in anger. anger. Oh, i <laughs> It's not to <a> buy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, fucking uh their Oasis' first two albums. That's that's a one that's a solid one two punch right there. Mm. It, they lost it after And then that. they completely devolved yeah. into heckling each other. <laughs> yeah. Well no, they were doing it during that process too, but yeah. Yeah, they only had like several good songs after that, but both of those those first two albums are phenomenal. So, uh, Tony Richardson is credited as part of the British New Wave of film, which ran around the same time as the French New Wave style, very European thing. So, have you ever watched any, like, Francois... Francois? Is it Francis? Francois? Truffaut? I don't think so. Films? Francois Truffaut. Yeah, I wrote it down there. Uh, If I I did, I didn't know it. I had to in, like, a literature class. Okay. With film and literature something in, in school, but... In um, the college, only, but the only old I've never watched you're not foreign old... cinema, like period. So I gotcha, and, and like it is the a only very specific style. The only '70s cinema I've watched is obviously American, American. and I've watched a lot of that, but no, mm-hmm. nothing. But so the idea I, I, was I don't own a kimono. <laughs> <laughs> the style was sort of like pseudo realism, semi documentary style. Kind of how the '70s turned out in American cinema too. I don't know about yeah. that. No, think about there was a no Godfather. Actually, I would I would say it's actually, that movie. Name, name a film in the seventies that's sort of uh, like semi. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre for one. Um, I think name an artistic uh, film. Uh, my God, where Al Pacino. Um, Attica, Attica. No, do, uh, do, not Dog Day. Dog Day, Dog Day yeah, Afternoon. Yes. That was not New Wave at all. It wasn't pseudo realism. I don't. There was there was a realistic filming style in the seventies that hadn't happened in cinema. Before okay, what that. what I mean by pseudo realism is mm. actually in the content. So versus like the filming per se. That's what like, I. That's what I'm like. Think about, about The Office. Mm-hmm. Awkward pauses. Mm-hmm. Like th- that stuff was not 
in American cinema no. in the 70s. I, I mean, I'm, is it is not a one-for-one. One. No, it's not a one-for-one one exact, but it's it's a very it's a European style. style. American cinema did not do this. Okay. Um, I say that so, like, assuredly, but I actually don't. It, that, that's my impression yeah. from my, one class. And that was that was also my impression that the seventies American cinema did something similar no, to this. No, not. I mean, I'm sure it was it was influenced, but anyway. Yes. Um, what I find that's what I'm saying. Like that's where they would have gotten it from. Well, what I find really interesting about this, and I do think that this translated over to American film, is that British New Wave specifically apparently had its own like slant or point of view in what was known as the angry young man portrayal. So the idea, in the words of Styx, you're an angry young man, I can tell. See, there's so I many. I don't know that song. What, you're fooling yourself and you don't believe it. You don't know. No. Get up, get up, get down on your knees. No, I'm begging you, please, oh, you come wait. home. No, that's, no, that's, that's a different, Cecilia. that's a Cecilia. Yeah, I was going to say, that's not Styx. <laughs> Oh my god, now I'm mashing up like, sticks and how you, Simon and Garfunkel. How do you know a stick song that I don't? That's the funny no, thing. No, it's angry. You're an angry young man, I can tell. I don't know. Yeah. We'll listen to it after. Sure. I know sticks. I know from no, sticks. Do you know Boat on a River by Sticks? I don't know sticks at all. I think it's just well, funny because cause your musical, uh, what you know about music, normally ends in like 1979. Sticks was around in the 70s. They were, but they were bigger in like 80 81 82 83 like they were huge in that space i know roundabout okay in and around the lake very good something comes out of the sky and they stand there i don't know what any i know mr roboto that's (laughs) oh my god that's your only sticks reference is domo argato that's that's the first thing that comes to mind (laughs) oh funny there's also that song that they play in about renegade yes that's the song they play in pittsburgh that's a fabulous song yeah Oh, yeah, that is a good song. Anyone who likes it when we sing is very pleased with this episode. Yeah. Anyone who doesn't hates it. Yes, has already turned to But the idea else. of the angry young man in British cinema was like taking the post-war era. I mean, you know, we've talked about this before. England was decimated, mm-hmm. you know, by the Blitz and all that. And there was this film movement kind of took that in the post-war era that's sort of like... The young man who was a kid born in the during the war, like feeling disillusioned with the world and disaffected, uh, I mean, they, and they wouldn't know a time before World War One. Exactly. I mean, so in, it was kind in World of World War One and World War Two is when that whole part of the world went to shit. Right. So it was kind of capturing that angst. Yeah. Um, that's captured in a lot of music. Like think of um, oh Pink Floyd the, for sure. Yes, for I was going to say sure. Roger Waters. <laughs> yes. Roger Waters had some shit. Yeah. He needed to get out in therapy, but he wrote the wall yeah. instead. Uh-huh. Like that's that's some therapy shit. for all of us. It was a window for all of us. Like it yes. really was. Uh-huh. Like man, you know, mm-hmm. like post World War II Europe was not a place you wanted to be Mm-mm. at all. So think of that, but in film, but like the early version of that, and he is one of the. Um, filmmakers who first captured that. I mean, Black Sabbath captured that too. Yeah, I mean, that's they, very true. I mean, that's very true. Black Sabbath's lyrics are very peaceful. Yes, they are. <laughs> they really are. You would know mm-hmm. it from the music, but. And I find it really interesting because I do think that we're now growing into a post boomer society. Yeah, we are. That's very similar. Yep. Very similar. We've been traumatized by. I mean, a all, bo- an entire generation. Well, I mean, this whole century, it's been one thing after another. Sure. But I think in the United States, there's just a direct parallel. That's my mm-hmm. opinion. But sure. anyway. Um, anyway. 
Uh, the fact that Tony Richardson is named among, like, Francois Truffaut just shows to even me, complete film neophyte, that he was considered very influential among, like, the arty elite, sure. right, of film. He did win an Academy Award for Best Director for his 1963 film Tom Jones, which also won Best Picture. I've seen, like, the video cover, but I've never seen the... Not the singer, obviously. No. <laughs> What's new, pussycat? <laughs> no, it's about, like, the 17 or 1800s, some oh. historical figure. Anyway, for most of his life, Tony was in the closet as a bisexual man. Sure. Uh, he only came out publicly after contracting HIV. Yeah. He died of complications from AIDS on November 14th, 1991. Mm. That date sounded really familiar to me. It's because November 24th, 1991 is when Freddie died Mm -hmm. of the exact same cause. So a lot of, a lot of, well, and, um, oh God, Rock Hudson died. Like a lot of famous. There were um, plenty of famous people who did. Oh yes. Oh yes. And that helped kind of gain some public traction. That that helped give it the, uh, Oh my goodness. Google again. Yeah. I don't know why it does this. Mm Mm-hmm. I didn't quite get that. So, from 1962 to 1967, Tony was married to Vanessa Redgrave. So, they actually had a pretty brief marriage. Um, So, if Tony was, like, the -the behind-the-camera royalty of this family, then Vanessa was 100% the on-camera royalty. And... I say was. She's alive. Vanessa Redgrave is 85. I think she's still around, yeah. She's 85. She's still a somewhat bankable star. Uh, I mean, recently. Like I said, she's like Hollywood, or not, well, yeah, Hollywood, but British Hollywood royalty, right? Of course. She is also technically Dame Vanessa Redgrave, of course. She was honored by the actual British monarchy with the title. Now, on Vanessa's side of the family is where Natasha gets, like, her acting pedigree so her family has its own wikipedia page entitled the redgrave family (laughs) and it shows the family tree of actors um the (laughs) redgraves so it goes back to vanessa's paternal grandparents this would be um natasha's great-grandparents roy redgrave and Daisy, also known as Margaret Scudamore, or maybe Scudamore, I don't know, both of whom were stage actors because they were born like in the late 1800s, right? Mm-hmm. So most primarily, at least at the beginning, stage actors. Roy made his stage acting debut at age 26, and we've got a picture of Roy. This is Roy Redgrave. Roy Redgrave. Mm-hmm. Strapping young lad. So I think he was born circa like 1873 or something, okay. so. Um, uh, oh, this is just for fun because I thought this was hilarious. In 1902, he starred in a production called Roy Redgrave, Dramatic Cock of the North. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're going to throw it out like that, I guess <laughs> it is very dramatic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have a feeling it meant something different. I don't know. So he married Daisy or Margaret in 1907. That was good. That's something that could only be said in 1892. Know, right. Like, and people 1902. Take it, or 1902. Mm-hmm. People take it seriously. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, look at him. <laughs> um, and Margaret soon gave birth to their son, Michael. Roy then left his family, like literally abandoned them when Michael was six months old. He moved to Australia, starred in some early silent films, and died at age 49. But Margaret continued her acting career 
Early on in her career, she was like the leading lady, usually first on stage, and then she started in films, and she had a long career as a supporting actress. It, and it, her career outlasted Roy's, not just because of her age, because she looked to be more like 75, but because maybe she wasn't a piece of shit who ran away from her family, you know? Yeah, and I, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of judgment to put on somebody whose circumstances I don't know. But that okay. is, that's Margaret. Alright. So... Despite being abandoned by his father at six months old, Roy and Margaret's son, Michael, followed in both of his parents' footsteps right onto the British stage. So he started in stage acting in Liverpool. Then he became notable for his Shakespearean performances at the famous Old Vic, which is a very famous English theater. Mm -hmm. And Stratford-upon-Avon with roles as Hamlet, King Lear, and Macbeth, among others. So he's like the leading guy. He's the leading Shakespeare guy, right? <clears throat> he was known for being handsome, expressive, and, quote, highly cerebral, unquote. So it's sort of like the, I, th- I feel like he's of the... It's probably what it said on his business card, too. <laughs> highly, highly cerebral. cerebral. <laughs> I, I picture him as being part of, like, the Laurence Olivier oh, school, for sure. you know? Yes. Who also came from Shakespeare mm-hmm. background, yeah. Uh, his fil- first film role was one I've actually seen. I did not know it at the time, but his first film was in 1938. He starred in Alfred Hitchcock's *The Lady Vanishes*. Did and we watch that? I don't. No, I don't no, think we did. We no, I've not seen that. And this is the, um, the lady, <clears throat> poster. *The Lady Vanishes*. Who's the? Uh, oh, uh, Margaret Lockwood, Vanessa Redgrave. No, it's not Vanessa Redgrave. Try again. Oh, sorry. Michael. I can't. Michael Redgrave. I was going to say, I can't It's see him. It. It's not... It's kind of blurry. <laughs> First of all, Vanessa was a year old when yeah, this whatever. was made. <laughs> I just saw Redgrave and said Vanessa. Mm-hmm. No, it's Michael Redgrave. That's her dad. That's yeah. Vanessa's dad. And Dame <clears throat> May Whitty. Dame May Whitty was in many Hitchcock films. Okay. She really was. She popped up in everything. She, I think she was Mrs. Danvers and Rebecca. I could be wrong, but I think she was. No. No, she's an older lady. Oh, goodness. I don't remember. Anyway. Um... So he was knighted in 1959, so he was Sir Michael Redgrave sure. uh, for his contribution to the theater. He continued his acting work until 1975 when the onset of Parkinson's disease ended his film and theater mm. career. He did continue writing. He was interested in writing actually before he started acting. That's too bad. I know. But he published his autobiography in my mind's eye in 1983. Okay. Uh, two years before his death. Yeah. Wait, I said two years before his death in 1977. That math doesn't work. I believe he died in 85 at age 77. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay. It was revealed after his death that his bisexuality was a known open family secret. Uh, His wife, Rachel Kempson, knew and understood her husband's sexuality. So Michael's proposal to Rachel even included the disclosure that their marriage might be, quote, difficult, end quote, due to his sexuality. I thought you were going to say different. Yeah, no, no. He was like, so I'm asking you to marry me, but you know, things may be, dif- maybe be different. Difficult for us. And di- see, different. Yeah, like, I know, just, but he said difficult yeah. family, or that's that was her retelling of it. Like, uh, and she's like, you know what? I love you. I don't care. So, you know, okay. whether it was I, like a semi-beard relationship or... She was cool. I mean, what? you know, a lot of if artists are... If you're consenting adults, it's whatever you're into. And a lot of artists historically are, are a lot more open to stuff like that, right? Well, when you're... A lot less vanilla than average people. When you're an artist on a 
even a national level. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, forget world famous people right. who just mm-hmm. you could just everybody knows who that is from a photograph, but. Mm-hmm. You're a little... Your brain works differently to begin with. Like, it just does. Well, like you have to acclimate to that yes, reality, and, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're in probably your mind's eye, you're thinking, I need to create art for everybody, and this is how I'm going to do it. Whether mm-hmm. it's painting or mm-hmm. music or, you know, film. Or or people who are inclined towards the arts so just have a different way of exactly, their brain working. Exactly. And they're more creative and maybe it's... They're like, hey... They're open to other creative interpretations. Hey, what if I had sex with a guy and a girl? What would it hurt? Like, yeah. just a little more openness, maybe. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, experimental. I need it. I need to go through this to write it in my next film. Yeah, you know, whatever. Or just, just because it, I like it. Because yeah, some people fun. do. Or yeah. both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, like they I said, enjoy it or are cool with it. If you're a consenting adult, do whatever exactly. you want. So, as for Rachel Kempson, or by her full title, Rachel Lady Redgrave. She could pretty much match Michael Rachel, Lady in Redgrave. Okay. Rachel, comma, Lady, Lady Redgrave. Redgrave. That's how that... Okay. So he was Sir and she was Lady because he was a Sir. That's how that works. I don't know. Because you're my Lady. <laughs> you're my Lady. There's a stick song. Oh, there you go. So, but she could pretty much match Michael in his career prestige. So she was trained by the famous RADA, Royal Academy of Dramatic Art in London, very prestigious acting Sounds school, like before joining the Royal Shakespeare Company. And not for nothing, she is the one who passed her looks on to the kids. The entire family gets their looks from Rachel. Um, picture, picture. Vanessa looks so much like her. It's see. not even funny. Okay. That's Rachel. Oh, okay, sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Where's the, it's a uh, very distinct, yeah. yeah She's the got very a very first one, I think. face. That is one. You're right, it is the very first one. I think so. I should. Vanessa and Tony. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like spot see, on. The yep. cheeks. Like, the cheeks gave it away yep. almost and instantly. Her sister Lynn looks like her, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, very distinctive. Uh-huh. And uh, Natasha got for, a for anybody, For anybody who can't see what <laughs> yes, we're looking exactly. at. We're trying to describe... <laughs> So, Rachel continued her career in many TV and film productions. She even acted alongside her daughters, Lynn and Vanessa, multiple times, including acting with Vanessa in Tom Jones, which her son-in-law at the time, Tony uh, Richardson, won an Oscar for. Uh, she and Sir Michael had three children. So, Vanessa, who was born in 37, 1937, Corin, a son who was born in 1939, and Lynn, who was born in 1943, all of whom were actors. Vanessa and Lynn are probably the best known, with Vanessa probably being the best known, but Lynn Redgrave was also um, quite well known. So now we are finally back to Natasha's mother's generation. Yeah, this we, is her we, background, sure. right? This is the family she came from. So, um, so Vanessa, um, and I have a picture of Vanessa. Oh, so this is like one of her headshots, like I'd say nearing her middle age, but okay, so sure. kind of yeah. see her. Um, uh, Vanessa is hugely lauded to this day as one of the most prominent British actors of stage and screen. She's also uh, what they call a triple crown winner. So do you know what an EGOT is? I do. That's a uh, Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. Right. The triple crown is all of that without the Grammy part. Sure. 
You just Which never, you just never won for an album. Which, as a stage actor, yeah, you're not, like, you're not cutting or an album. A stage and screen actor. And yeah. if you win the Grammy, it's for like something be- totally benign that you don't go on. Like they ship it to you in the mail. It's, it's like, like well, and it's like it's like best, best narrated book, <laughs> you yeah. know, audio book. Best best narrated stage performance for blind people. It's <laughs> something very specific. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes, <laughs> typically yes. She's like, I've got like five of them. <laughs> so she won Emmys, Oscars, Tonys. Um, but she also won SAG Awards, a BAFTA Fellowship Award. She She's many, many times over um, an, an award <laughs> winner. Um, she made her st- her debut on the stage at age 21 alongside her father. She, conti- she continued in the Shakespeare tradition. It was basically her birthright based on her pedig- pedigree. And you want to talk about birthright? So listen to this. Her birth was literally announced to an audience of a performance of Hamlet at the Old Vic by Sir Laurence Olivier. No shit. You cannot get more British <laughs> no, you, theater than no, that. you can't. So we're talking a Shakespeare production at the Old Vic, Laurence Olivier, bam. And then they wheeled her out. <laughs> Just I want to see the baby. The, yes, the, the, like now we all need to react to this. This is the first time we've seen this, ladies no, and gentlemen. No, but listen to this. This is what... This is what Sir Lawrence Olivier said. I don't know what, that, don't know what accent said. that was. I just did. It was something, though. <laughs> Sir Lawrence Olivier said to the audience by announcing her, quote, a great actress has been born this night, end quote. <laughs> so talk about, like, setting her talk about, up. Talk about how he would say it, too. Just <laughs> Yes. A great actress has been born this night. <laughs> Huzzah! Hip, hip, Huzzah! I don't know what they do in the theater. I hope it's not that. (laughs) (laughs) But he was not wrong, as if a proclamation by Olivier was not enough. Tennessee Williams, the Mm. noted playwright, Tennessee Williams, called her, quote, the greatest actress of our time, end quote. uh, Yeah, I mean, that's... It's quite an endorsement. That's a lot of endorsements. Yeah. Yeah. This is fucking nuts. I know, isn't it? And this is Natasha's mom, you know? So she we're, came we're, from... We're going through just overall, like, acting royalty. Yes. Because like, some of these people broke through into the American mainstream. Oh, yes. Like, like oh, Vanessa yes. Redgrave did. Yes. You know? They, these are very British actors, yes. <laughs> to be clear. Of course. But yes, yes. Everybody who's an actor deep down inside is a very British actor. <laughs> in some <laughs> in form some form in their soul. Whether yes. they know it or not. Um, so in addition to a notable stage career, Vanessa also acted in many films, some of which were are not as well known to the general public because they were very artistic, very highbrow. But she did star in some more mainstream movies like Murder on the Orient Express back in the 70s, the popular 1977 film Julia, which is what she won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actress for. Those of us born in the 70s, 80s, and beyond may best remember her as the older lady crime boss in Mission Impossible. Sure, yeah, absolutely. And as Tia Leone's character's mom, in Deep Impact. Yeah, that's right. Oh she's, my God, she's that's right. She showed up in a lot of random she just, stuff. That's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's been, I, I can swear she's been in recent stuff, too, oh, though. She's been in I'm tons sure she has. and tons of yeah. stuff. In addition to her acting career, Vanessa has long been a pretty um, controversial political activist. Okay. She has been identified as a Marxist. Okay. Um, so, thumbs go. up for her on that. Uh, she is notably pro-Palestinian. Okay. As, she, ever, as most people should be. Well, so, 
here's the thing. Say if you're Israeli, I kind of I'm no, don't expect you to be. That's why I'm not saying everybody. I have very little knowledge of the. Every time I'm like ELI five, the Israel Palestine conflict, I just my brain melts. Yeah. I don't. And the computer shuts down. Exactly. Because you can't ELI five. Exactly. <laughs> you cannot. I mean, you really can't. So I won't comment too much on that because I'm just I, I don't know I I don't quite get it. But so as one may may not may or may not know. I would say it's my opinion that because America is so pro-Christian, we're also strangely pro-Israel. I know, it's, it is very strange. So, and we have our own history, deep history of anti-Semitism, too. Oh my god, too. no joke. But it's funny because I've long said this, that the evangelical church, at least in my experience, has a very strange affinity for Jewish people. In yeah, that, I, don't quite, I don't quite understand it. Well, myself. it's this weird version of like, well, you're God's chosen people by birthright, but Christians are God's chosen people by like choice. We're his right. adopted kids. You're followers. And it's our job to help save you. That's why there's fucking like Jews for Jesus. I know. There's it's, so, it, it gets pretty weird. It gets very weird. So imagine Vanessa Redgrave, pro-Palestinian. She picks up her Oscar at the 1978 Academy Awards, Uh-oh. goes on stage and does her acceptance speech she refer apparently she suffered some career consequences being so outspoken about her political of course, beliefs of course. um and there were apparently people who were uh, being, protesting being a woman at this time too yeah. i mean what power did she have yeah. at all not there much there were people protesting against her nomination because she was pro palestinian sure so she called in her speech she called the people against her her nomination quote zionist hoodlums and nice. quote, and that caused like major boos from the audience yeah. because in case anybody doesn't know there are many jewish people in hollywood yeah. and we're talking in like the high up executive oh, the, oh. functions yeah. of hollywood going way back even to when and well is when it, is, anti-semitism is, yeah. was big it, it is, still uh, is for some reason yeah the, the mob too back in the day you know. shelled out a lot of dollars for mm-hmm. uh, for films so so i mean she she put her her money where her mouth is um yeah nice she also like put it. her production backing behind several pro-Palestinian documentaries in the 70s and 80s. She also supported the IRA, the Irish Republic Army. Yeah, that's pretty, I don't, that's pretty are controversial. Are those people who are doing the bombing? Yes, okay, uh, yeah. okay. Again, I am but that, unable to understand that, that conflict. That conflict is... That part of the conflict has been over for such a long time, but it was very, very prominent when I was... Uh, kid like growing up, 80s, up until, right? Yeah, I, I don't think it really ended until like 95, 90s, yeah. 96, somewhere around there. So she, but interestingly, she was also very anti-war. She protested against the um, the Vietnam War. Good. So, but as, it's as interesting that she would be on the side of people who are like bombing things. I, I don't know. I it's mean, really that, interesting. that's that's a topic that I know. That's not, I said. Not I don't nearly know enough, enough about to, to get yeah the comment. But, all I all I know is that it was prominent when I was growing up, and it mm-hmm. kind of just ended one day. Like mm-hmm. it just kind of all of a sudden stopped. Wasn't there like a very specific I, peace accord thingy? There might have been. Oh my god! All our Irish listeners are like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" <laughs> there might have been. I'm so sorry. It's like it's like someone saying to us like. I don't know. I think there was a war in America back in the 1800s, and like, didn't didn't like, the didn't they there was not like get the along? Union and the and the South and they and the, they and the stopped. Slaves. Yeah, and there was a the thing. People. <laughs> anyway, apologies to all our Irish yeah. listeners. So, so it was into this family. 
<laughs> massively pedigreed family that Natasha Richardson was born. And it wasn't just Natasha. Her generation contained the next generation of the Redgrave dynasty, including her sister, actor Jolie Richardson. I know that name too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, she, if you saw her, oh, well, yeah. and I'm going to show you a picture in a second. Half-brother, screenwriter and director Carlo Nero, and cousin Gemma Redgrave, Corin's That's, daughter. Yeah, I was going to say, I know that name too. Generations and generations. So here is Natasha, Vanessa, and Jolie. Yeah, wow. Mm-hmm. Powerhouse, mm-hmm. lady powerhouses there. It's, they, these two, like, definitely look the same. I know. You, 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 mm-hmm. you can tell she's going to look that way later, she but she's taller. She looks a little more like her dad. She yeah. looks a little more like Tony. Yeah. Um, uh, God, what is it? Julie good, does, yeah. yeah. She's a good, like, three or four inches taller She's a little well. taller, too, isn't she? So, like, basically everyone else in her family, <laughs> she started her acting career in the theater, specifically the Leeds Playhouse, um, then at age 21 at the Open Air Theater in Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream. So, again, Shakespeare. So, this is Natasha when she's quite young. I don't have a, a date on this, but... And I didn't okay. see reference to her model work, but she sure looks like she could be. Yeah. Very of the... Um, I want to say the Brooke Shields school of... Well, yes, very much so. The the era, you know, that... Yeah. Um, That's probably like an early 80s photo. Yeah, it could, it could be. She yeah. was born in 63, so yeah, yeah maybe early, mid-80s, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um, her co-stars in that production included Rafe Fiennes. Okay, yeah. Who we probably know from, like, The English Patient. I believe and, he won Best Actor for that. Yes, and it won Best Picture, too. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I saw the film, and I, I don't remember it at it all. It was very long, as I recall. Yeah. I, I've never there's seen whole, it, but... There's a whole Seinfeld episode Oh, and what's her name? It. Kristen, um... Julianne, no, Julianne Moore was a different movie. No, it was um, Kristen... The really famous British lady. I know. Oh, God. Oh, I can't. Everyone's screaming at us. We will move along. Feel free to tweet us, whatever. Um, And also Richard E. Grant. So Richard E. Grant is one of those people that I actually printed a photo out of because he's like, oh, that guy from that thing. This is Richard E. Grant. He was actually in Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. Okay. Richard E. Grant. So it's funny, I don't recognize this guy at all. See, I recognize him because he was... <laughs> this is why I recognize him. He was in Down, uh, Downton Abbey, which I okay, saw. Sure. Doctor Who, Game of Thrones. You would know him maybe from Game of Thrones. Although he, they, everybody there were wears so, so much makeup. And there were so many people in that there production. Were. Um, and Gosford Park, my actual favorite film of all time. And that. the most British film of all time, yes. So... Um, Again, it's it's kind of... Well, not again, because I reread this part. Anyway, it's a little tricky. There's a lot more known about her career and her relationships than there are about her as a person. Like, there's a lot less out there about her. But anyway, um, to cover her career, she started her film career in 1984 in Every Picture Tells a Story. By 1987, she was starring alongside fellow future British superstars Colin Firth and Kenneth Branagh, again, (laughs) British film royalty, in A Month in the Country. Perhaps most notable in our current time and place in the States, she started an adaptation of Margaret Atwood's The Handmaid's Tale in 1990. And aside from the people I already mentioned who she co-starred with, she really acted alongside a lot of notable people and not just British people, including Faye Dunaway, Robert Duvall, Rupert Everett, Jodie Foster, Bob Hoskins, Jennifer Lopez, Rob Lowe, Helen Mirren, the most British treasure of all time, 
Maggie Smith, and okay. Christopher Walken. Yeah, of course. Maybe her most well-known role to a lot of us millennials is as the mom in the 1998 remake of The Parent Trap, featuring Dennis Quaid as the dad. Well, you were you're a boy, you were a boy, and you were like 21 at that point. That means so, I was yeah. a man. Oh yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was 13. I was trying not to point out how creepy that is. <laughs> I thought you were trying um, to say 21-year-olds are boys, which mentally, no, is, mentally is correct. Well, yes. Um, Dennis Quaid was the dad, and it was known as the film that really launched Lindsay Lohan. I was just going to say, wasn't she twins. in that too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For the artier and more cerebral, you may remember her role in Nell alongside Jodie Foster. I do remember. I've never seen the movie. but I've never seen it either. You can look up uh, YouTube clips of it. It's quite funny. She had to come up with... In dialects, like a like whole a language, new language, right? Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. it was very strange. Um, the most life changing of her co stars was Liam Neeson, who uh, noted Irishman Liam Neeson, who she met while starring. That's right, he's not British. Yeah. No, he's not. He's Irish. Who she met while starring as Anna Christofferson in a production of Anna Christie on Broadway. By the way, she was actually also a Tony Award winner. Okay. Just to cover a little bit more of her career for her role as Sally Bowles in a Broadway revival of Cabaret, directed by none other than American beauty director Sam Mendes. Oh, I know. Yeah. I don't know if I've dropped as many, like, grade-A Hollywood names so, I have Sam in this Men- episode. Sam Mendes also did 1917. That was oh, okay. Well. He was married to Kate Winslet for a time, too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So now her um, Tony Award was also remarkable because Liza Minnelli was basically like the owner of that role in everybody's minds especially in america um in in the theater and film and everything and that was not lost on her she said quote if i stop to think about people comparing me to liza i get in a terrible state end quote obviously she overcame this to win a tony um but in 1990 natasha had gotten married to robert fox now this is robert fox good old bob fox with (laughs) bob fox with natasha He looks like a guy named Robert Fox. He really does. (laughs) Now, I'm not going to... Apparently, I could go into a whole other rabbit hole about him because he also seems to be of British acting peerage. Uh, But I I won't won't go down that. Uh, But... Well, I'm sure they all hang out with each other. You know what I mean? Yes, that's true. Their families and their kids and their grandkids. The Redgraves and the Foxes. yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I'll just go back to the marriage. There appears to be a little bit of, like controversy or not controversy but just like um blurriness as to the her timeline of being married to robert fox versus when she met and started hanging out with liam neeson um and and that also includes like some of the timing of the production of anna christie which is where she met him they were in that uh, play together so some sources say the product that film or that theater production was in 1993 others say 92 so it probably spanned both years sure. right because productions yeah. can go on for a long time um and that would account for that also a lot of sources say that natasha and robert fox were divorced in 1992 so they were just married for like two years but a lot of recounting of their love story seem of Liam and Natasha's love story seem to include the fact that Natasha was still married to Robert when she met Liam and that they didn't divorce until 94. And that includes Natasha's own account. So I'm going to say that that's more likely to be correct. So They weren't officially divorced, but they were separated. Well, she said, this is what she said, quote, 
It was not an easy time when I met Liam. Working with him, what happened between us, and that becoming public knowledge, in conjunction with my marriage falling apart, in other words, they were already having problems, was kind of bad timing. So what can I say? Obviously, I fell very much in love with him, end quote. So she probably was already in a not a great marriage, not a good situation for them, either of them. As that was degrading, she was meeting someone that she got along with a lot better. So... Their performances as love interests in Anna Christie were highly believable, which added a lot of fuel to the gossip fire. Like, hey, these two are, like, getting it on. In real life, Liam himself... Just, just like a Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez and Gigli. <laughs> <laughs> Except not at all. Which I've never seen. <laughs> Me neither. I, I just know I've it's, just, like, I've a heard, horrific film. Yeah, and that's where they met. And, mm-hmm. Like, uh... Got jiggy with it. Got jiggy with it. Got jiggy with it. (laughs) (laughs) Liam himself would later say, quote, she and I were like Astaire and Rogers. We just had this wonderful... Uh, A a what? Do you know who Astaire and Rogers are? Astaire and Rogers? No, Astaire. Fred Astaire and Rogers? Oh, Astaire. Okay, now, it sounded like you said Astaire and Rogers. Astaire is his last name. It's not Hister. It's Astaire. Well, whatever. Fred like, Astaire. I, I took that as Astaire, like as in... Like Astaire stuff? <laughs> yes. No. So Fred, do you know who Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers yes, were? Their yeah. famous dance part. Yes. Okay, okay. Mm. It just sounded weird. Let me let me do this again. She and <laughs> I were mean? like of course I knew Astaire <laughs> and Rogers. We just had this wonderful kind of dance free on stage every I night. Was, and I thought it was Astaire. Fred Astaire. No, it's A-S-T-A-I-R-E. No, A-S-T-A-I-R-E. Yes, I do know who that okay. is. Yeah. I don't know why you're looking at me funny. You know I would know who that is. <laughs> well, you also thought it was Hysteria, so. Well, hey, you, you've mixed up Chris Evans and, like, other people. And They're the you, exact same person. Yeah. I'm sorry. At the same time, <laughs> or at the time, Natasha was 29 and Liam was 40. Liam was also known as, like, the man who gets around. He was the ladies' man, apparently. I mean, I don't doubt that. To be fair, ninety circa nineteen ninety three, Liam Neeson. He's a handsome guy. He's not not handsome. He's, he's fucking handsome, Irish. He's still a handsome dude at sixty. I mean, he's grizzled, but well, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he is. I can I can only hope that he looks like me <laughs> when I'm sorry. I'm like, you look like him. No, no, no. Like he looks oh. like me. <laughs> oh, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> Very cute. I'll still think you're gorgeous, even Thank if you're you. crystalled at 16. Yes. Thank you. But he was, <laughs> he's 6'4", so yeah, he's tall. tall. He's Irish. He's got the accent. Mm-hmm. And, and he he's was, good looking. And he was a Jedi. Uh, well, not at this point, no, but yes, but he, later on. <laughs> but, but that, like, being... The presence. Yes. The, he had a quiet, like, command yes. presence. Yes. He looks, so, like, he looks like, a, like a captain. You know what I mean? Like a leader. Mm-hmm. He kind of gives that off that vibe the quiet confidence mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so he notably lived with yet another of britain's most notable actors dame helen mirren the uh, helen mirren the. in the early 80s and she actually helped him a lot in his career i bet she did mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but he had never been married when he met natasha he had never been married and was known as the the guy who gets around right he had relationships with people like Julia Roberts, Brooke Shields, and Barbara Streisand. <laughs> That's a really... He dated a range. We'll say that. Did anybody have that on their bingo card? Is <laughs> I <one>. know, right? 
Shields. <laughs> Julia Roberts and Brooke Shields are given. Yeah, people, but... people would have had those, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. I know. Now, this didn't seem Robert's to bother Natasha sing. when they got together. She actually said, quote, I'm pleased that women fall in love with him because I know why, end quote. Okay. She may have had that thing where it's like, everybody wants him. I got him. That's, that's a mm. thing for some people. I don't know. So Liam and Natasha met at a crucial point in Liam's career. Liam had auditioned early in the production process for a little Oh, film. hang on, hang on. <laughs> Let me guess. I'm trying to think of what... The, I mean, he'd they been around... They met in 92. They met around 92. Right. And at this point, he'd been around for, I would say, about 10 years. He's 40. Yeah. Because um, he was in Krull. Great movie, was by the way. He? Yes, he was. I didn't remember Bit that. Bit part in Krull. Um... I fucking went and saw it in uh, Schindler's List. Yes. Yes. That was his, like... Yes. Because I believe he got nominated. That was nominated. his breakout role, yes. yes. I believe he got nominated for that, too. So... And so did Ray Fiennes is also in okay. Schindler's List. So, which Natasha had already worked with Ray Fiennes, yeah. but Liam auditioned early in the production process for Schindler's yeah. List. It's he, a fucked... It's, I mean... I've never seen it. You know, I've never seen I it saw still. I, I mean, it's the closest a 90s film to me could ever get to the 70s, because I saw it once... 20 some odd years ago and I still remember it yeah and that's that's like how there are uh, some movies like that Requiem for a Dream uh, Deer Hunter yes Mm -hmm. Requiem for a Dream for sure Mm -hmm. like it just it just like makes an impression in your brain you don't need to see it again you kind of don't want to see it again because it's that impressionable Apocalypse Now I saw once I'm like okay this is that's Full good. Full Metal Jacket's yep. one for me. I've seen that several times. That was but, gritty uh, as fuck. Yeah, it's fucked up. Ugh. But yeah, that's, uh, I don't, maybe I should, maybe we should watch it. I've never seen West. it. I'd be open to watching it. Yeah, it's fucked it's 30 up. 30 years old at this point, Jesus almost. Christ. Mm-hmm. It came out either. 93. Late 93. I'm, tra- I'm trying to think. Yes, it came out just before Jurassic Park did. <laughs> no, Jurassic Park or was, was a after? movie. It came out after. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's right. The fall of 93. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, he was cast in 92 as Schindler in Uh, Schindler's Mm -hmm. Of the List after Steven Spielberg himself went to see Anna Christie, the play that they were in, the play that Liam and Natasha were in. He saw him and he was like, that's the guy. And he turned down, like, Mel Gibson and Kevin Costner, who were superstars at the time. As Anderson Cooper would later recount... He talked to Spielberg. I put Spielberg here. Spielberg. <laughs> you can tell I wrote this quickly. He, and uh, Anderson Cooper said, quote, he said that he wasn't looking for a movie star, but he was looking for somebody who had a presence, but that women would fall for, end quote. So he picks Liam Neeson. Enter Liam Neeson. Yeah, there you go. Immediately after the production of Anna Christie was over, Liam hopped on a plane, went to Poland for a 72-day shoot. that where it was shot? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, of Schindler's sense. List. Now, initially, this was a tough time in their relationship because, like, they were just getting together while Natasha's, like, working on ending a marriage. They're stopping working together, where I'm sure they saw each other every day. Now he's off to Poland. Dude's a notorious womanizer. And she she had the exact thing that happens in every relationship at some point, the where is this relationship going thought, right? He's often he's often Poland. <laughs> yes. So she's like a 30-year-old lady in a nebulous relationship. Like he, he could be banging like two extras a night. So she literally wrote him a letter <laughs> in Poland and asked, quote, what is our relationship? End quote. She just was like, what clarify this for me. What's going on here? Liam would later say, quote, 
that was when I knew I really loved this person. Unquote. So for him, it was his realization moment. Like I could lose her. Mm -hmm. She's clearly feeling a little like, Hey, what are we doing here? It's very sweet. It is very sweet. So Natasha flew to Poland to be with him towards the end of the shoot. And they were together for the rest of her life. Mm-hmm. Um, they bought an yeah, old the, yeah for the rest of her life. Unfortunately, of course, yeah, yeah because... they bought yeah I know they bought an old farmhouse in Millbrook, New York, which was described as being in your favorite upstate New York. I know, I know exactly where they're. It's talking halfway about. between New yeah. York City and Albany, so yeah. But it's <laughs> but it is. I mean, most of New York is. I mean. Rural. Trees and parks mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I mean, got, yeah. So they had a yeah. nice old farmhouse there. That and was I'm, their family home. I'm sure it was pretty fucking. I'm sure mm-hmm. it was pretty sick. Oh yeah, they got married there on July third, just like us. Oh, they had the same anniversary mm-hmm. as us, which is so sweet. And we just came back from our anniversary yes. trip in Charlotte. Yes, we did. Oh, our wedding was so much better though <laughs> than these two. These two schlubs. <laughs> Yeah, we got married at the fucking courthouse. Yeah. What did you do? Get yeah. married at your nice country, a country farmhouse? The state. And, <laughs> where'd you get married at? Your $5 million estate? And Mine's worth seven. To be more sad, because we know where this is all going, this is Liam and Natasha on their wedding day. That's some nice hair. <laughs> for Liam? Yeah, yeah, for Liam. And yeah. the brown suit? Yep. I yeah. And, like, is that an ascot? I don't know what I'm not sure what that is. But, man, the 90s, the early 90s especially, looks so fucking old nowadays. It does. Doesn't this look like a photograph from, like, from the, the 60s? 70s? Yes. <laughs> I, to me, it looks like the 60s. Yeah. Either one. Well, see, you were born in the 70s, so you're thinking a decade back yeah. from when you were born, and I'm thinking also... It's like uh, it's like watching uh, like a YouTube highlight of like the Rangers Devil series in mm-hmm. 1994. It's just like mm-hmm. how were we watching this? Like I can't see the puck. Where's the puck? <laughs> where the fuck is the puck? Yeah, where are the where is the camera? Why are you panning to the crowd? What is this? What is life? Why is no one wearing a face mask? Why is nothing in HD in 1994? Oh, because it wasn't invented yet. So Liam and Natasha went on to have two sons, Michael, uh, which is spelled, I believe, the Irish way, M-I-C-H-E-A with an accent. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Born in 1995 and Daniel, born in 96. This is Natasha with her kids when, uh, I think this is actually relatively I'm gonna, close I'm gonna to I'm going to go on tab. a limb and say their kids are pretty good looking. And, yeah, oh, I'm going to show you their adult versions yeah. later. You can fucking tell yeah. they are their kids. Yeah. Oh, my God. Especially Liam Neeson's. They took, yeah. We'll get to that. So that covers Natasha's career in the context of her family. But just like, who was Natasha as a person? Like I said, it was a little hard to find out some some of that stuff. But she is because she's so well known in the context of her family and her death because her death was sure. so notable. Um, yeah, she was. I mean, I'll, I'll put it this way. It's like I knew who she was. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, she was in, like, this or that, but it wasn't... She was very comfortably within, like, Hollywood royalty, but she wasn't, like, the superstar. She was not a bankable star. Yeah, not at at least not in America. I don't know. Now, you put her on the West End in London, and maybe you get a thousand trillion ticket sales, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, as far as movies, and, I mean, even... And American films, you have to think, Yeah, and even at this time, Liam Neeson's not a bankable stuff. That's right. We'll talk he about his one. later career in yeah. a minute. But, um, so it is known, very well known, that she was a an advocate for the fight against AIDS because her dad died of AIDS. Yeah. 
So uh, she worked very closely with the Foundation for AIDS Research, also known as AMFAR, for many years. In fact, as a Top Chef fan, I specifically remember her being a guest star on season five of Top Chef, wherein... Really? Yes. The chef testants cooked lackluster appetizers Uh based on the 12 days of Christmas at an AMFAR benefit. The episode aired December 17th, 2008, almost exactly three months to the day before her death. And I've got a picture of her. So this is, I mean, this was recorded earlier. So this is maybe a little closer to a year before her death. But this was her in the episode. Okay. She's a gorgeous lady. She was a very gorgeous lady. I mean, just... Even just going by conventional attractiveness. Uh, I think a lot I, of people said she was also a really awesome person. I think in Hollywood sense that makes her even more gorgeous because she doesn't look like somebody that's had all the surgery and shit like that. She just kind of looks... That's true, but also remember she died at 45, so she wasn't yeah. hitting like... That's true. Ages where women feel more pressure. I mean, 45, I know, yes, this, this but... I mean, I'm saying, yeah, yes, that's true, but also... And maybe this has changed now, but I feel like the British have a different sense of what's acceptable. And we as fucking Americans might be completely fucking this up for them. But like a different version of what conventional attractiveness is okay. I think it's getting to the point, and I feel like music has already arrived at this point. It's like there are no genres anymore with with Mm. music. It's just like you kind of like what you like. I think that has, I think sexuality is going to become that. Well, and, and, what people, and uh, what people find attractive. Yeah, or, it's, it's different. Or people well, well, you know looking what? below the surface. Yeah. It always has been different. It has always been different. But there's always been what's in the mm-hmm. foreground, what's in the forefront. Is what's this, trendy? Is what's this, fucking trendy? Yeah. I mean, and, and men felt it too. I mean, when I was in oh, my sure, 20s, sure. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I should probably have six-pack abs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. but well, uh, That was like the fucking Abercrombie days yeah. and shit. Yeah. But, but uh but I obviously when it comes to image, body image, women have it fucking a million times harder. Yes, that is correct. I mean it's not even close. <laughs> that is correct. Yeah. Oh, by the way, absolutely please read What We Don't Talk About When We Talk About Fat by Aubrey Gordon. Brilliant book. Let me know if you well, can afford like, a copy, I'll send one to you. It's like the it's like the, the Jordan Peterson guy. The first time he got in trouble on Twitter was a couple months ago when he put out that tweet about the Sports Illustrated uh, swimsuit issue cover girl. One of them was she's a plus size model. Okay. And he was just like he put out a tweet saying like he's not gonna like be subjected to new beauty standards or you communist or like, something like fucking that. Fucking Jordan Peterson, you and could, it's just like you you wish you could right. you could land somebody that yeah. fucking. And it's just like and Jesus I was Christ. and I looked at him like, well, it's she's not for me. I was like, but I'm sure she's for plenty of guys or gals, whatever would be would be down. You know, if I'm, I was plus size, would you think I wasn't? Of course not. Exactly. Yeah. It's but that, all but that's about. what I'm saying. And but it's just like okay, like I don't mind, like I don't take it as offensive, like you putting a, a putting a plus yeah, size model on sports bullshit. on the sports list. <laughs> I'm like, like, you know what? I'm like the way I'm looking. I'm like, you know what? A lot of guys are into that. Well, see, that's the whole thing. Is he's like, I resent that you're yeah, trying you're to being objectify somebody that I'm not wanting to objectify. <laughs> yes, I mean, yeah, a, but then yeah. in a weird weird way too you're saying oh no we we respect her right to be objective yeah, or, uh, yeah <laughs> it's, it's, fucking, it's weird isn't it yeah. but anyway let's keep going yeah. natasha so in an article published at her death newsweek writer mark Pizer said quote natasha richardson may be the nicest actor i ever interviewed end quote 
Wow. That's saying a lot. Yeah. I'm at sure. the, oh, yeah. At the <laughs> time that he had interviewed her, she told her to call, she told him to call her Tasha. So that may have been her nickname or her family name, whatever. And she said, she, he said she seemed incredibly real, especially for like an up and coming celebrity from a very celebrity family. She was known for her pack a day smoking habit. Nice. Which led to her to being outspoken when New York City became one of the early leaders in the smoking ban movement. So in outspoken for it or against it? Against it. She oh, okay, yeah, that makes it. it. Yeah, she, see, she's I was a smoker. I was one of those people because I remember when this was happening because mm-hmm. New York was either, I think California was the first state mm-hmm. to ban smoking indoors, but uh, I or th- at least around the same but time. I'm yeah. pretty mm-hmm. sure New York was like second or third. Like it happened like twenty years ago. In oh three. Yeah, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I remember being, even though I was a smoker, mm-hmm. like being for it. Yeah. I was just like, I'm like, your clothes, I'm like, you can't wear those clothes without washing them. Yeah. Like ever again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. like, you know. So and, in 2003, New York, the city became one of the most restrictive cities mm-hmm. in the United States when it came to smoking. They banned almost all indoor smoking in restaurants, yeah. bars, and even private clubs in 2003. Yep. She said, quote, I don't go out as much as I used to because I can't smoke anywhere, end quote. You could smoke outside, though. But I then, think her yeah. thing, but, but that transition was yeah, rough for her. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was weird, but... Yeah. She also said that... I didn't mind. She also said that Liam was trying to convince her to quit smoking because he himself managed to quit smoking in 03, to which Natasha said, quote, I think I'd be... it. Sorry, I think it'd be easier to give up... Sorry. <laughs> I totally read that wrong. I think I'd be able to give it up easier if people would stop saying, don't do it. Part of me likes being a rebel, end quote. Allegedly, she actually quit smoking soon after that. But I couldn't find a second source to that. But at at this time, they were, like, if if places, because I was living in Rochester, New Mm -hmm. York, when this was going on. Now, the city of of New York banned it first. And so and did then, the state. So did the state, no, not, not afterwards, long after. The city had Cor- city ordinances, correct. yeah. But mm-hmm. the state was not Soon far after. behind. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of places, if they had the space, um, and most of them did, built like a like a little deck or something like that. In, An outdoor space. Yeah, for smokers, which was, you know, made it fine. You know, I had I really had no problems with it at all. And then you also, like, and that's where, like, it's funny because at certain places like half the crowd would be inside the other yeah. half the other half would be outside smoking cigarettes uh-huh. and like that's who you knew like okay i can talk to this girl over here because she smokes oh, so it's not yeah. you know what i mean so it's not going to be like mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah that's well, but it, but it was there's a difference but yeah. then when i moved here in 07 mm-hmm. you could still smoke inside here which yeah. which made it strange again yeah I was just like, because I haven't been able to smoke inside in like mm-hmm. four or five years. It wasn't long after that, though. That, that's true. But 2010. North Carolina is tobacco country, so mm-hmm. that's why it took a while here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Liam would later say about Natasha, quote, she cared for everybody. She has, she has a motherly instinct and she'd make dinners for everyone and just looked after us all, hmm. end quote. So she was the mom of the family. Sure. She absolutely was the mom of the family. So now that we've had so much fun. Yeah. Now's the time. To be the total bummer. Because this is how our show works. That was the time to not be nice. <laughs> In March of 2009, Natasha traveled to Mont-Tremblant Ski Resort in Quebec. The resort... I, I know where that is, actually. Yeah, the resort is yes. in the Laurentian the mountains. mountains. Yep. 
Is it Laurentian or <laughs> Laurentian? I've always Laurentian. I've always uh, pronounced it Laurentian Mountains. Laurentian Mountains. Okay. But it's it is fucking gorgeous. Okay. Well, they run from the southern part of Newfoundland, southwest down the north side of the St. Lawrence, so across the river from where mm-hmm. you grew up, through Quebec. Yeah, we've we've rented a house there before, and beautiful. It's, it looks nice. We had a mm-hmm. we had a dock and a boat and freaking, yeah, it's pretty swanky. The resort itself is in the southern part of the mountains, mm-hmm. about 138 kilometers or 85 miles northwest of Montreal, and 160 kilometers or about 100 miles northeast of Ottawa. So if you you could like triangulate mm-hmm. it, yep. like it almost looks like a triangle. Um, there are conflicting accounts of who in the family was at the resort with her at the time, but from what I can tell, Liam was not there, and we're going to talk about him in a, in a second. Um, and she was there, I think, with just one of her sons, her oldest, Michael, okay. who was 13 at the time. Mm. I'm not sure where the 12-year-old was. I'm not sure where Daniel was. He was, he was 12. Uh, so Liam was in Toronto. He was still in Canada, but he was down in Toronto shooting the movie Chloe, co-starring Amanda Seyfried and Julianne Moore. Don't remember that yeah. one. Now, this is at, again, a very interesting crossroads in his career. He did Taken just be- the year he's before. He's become an action star He's starting to become an acting star. An action star, exactly. Like, at age at 50 55 something. or yeah. something. Yeah, it's pretty bizarre. But he did sort of reinvent himself in that way. And he became, like, I mean, there hadn't been, like, a... This guy's an action star actor in, like, ten years at that point. It had been a while. Right. Like, cause he had, like in the 80s, you had Schwarzenegger and Stallone mm-hmm. and Van Damme in the 90s. And... Um, I think in that Anderson Cooper interview, he asked, uh, he asked Liam Neeson, like, what would Natasha think of you being, like, an action star in your 60s? And he said uh, something like, she'd be really chuffed about that. Yeah. <laughs> like, She's she'd find it pretty cool. Yeah, pretty fucking, <laughs> yeah. Probably pretty funny, too. Exactly. So, Natasha had either not skied before or wasn't a very advanced skier, but apparently wanted or at least <laughs> was like, willing to like, her down the black diamond. No, no, no. That's no, not no. how it worked at all. I hope not. So, on Monday, March 16th, 2009, around noontime, local time, she took a private ski lesson at the resort on a bunny trail, on a beginner's trail, right? Um, now, she was skiing down the slope. Apparently, she wasn't wearing protective gear. So no helmet, no goggles, etc. Um, we're on a bunny trail. Like they did. So see. here's it. Yeah, they didn't. They, yeah. I couldn't find much more about why not, but I can sure see thinking as a grown adult like this. It's barely a hill. Yes, exactly. Like I am almost <laughs> cross country skiing at this point. Yeah. Do I really need to wear all this shit? Now I am. Please, for God's sake, wear the shit. But you know what I gotta say? So here's the thing. Oh my god, flashbacks. I went, I've gone skiing once in my life. I was 11. It has traumatized me so much that 26 <laughs> years later, I refuse to ski. And now I'm too old. Like, I'm not gonna fucking learn how to ski now. That's bullshit. Especially hearing what happened to Natasha. But they took us, <laughs> they forced us in Minnesota. They forced us. When I was 11 to go on a ski trip. I guess they have skiing in Minnesota. I don't know. Land of a thousand lakes and mountains. I have no idea. 10,000 lakes, by the way. But I just responded to myself. But we went to this place and they, first of all, here's the thing they told us. You don't need poles. 
to okay, ski. Yeah. Now, I don't know much about skiing because I didn't go skiing after Did this. Hang out for on obvious like reason. Side thing? No, oh. only on the way up. Okay. So that's the other thing. They didn't have fucking lifts. They had a rope yeah. that pulled you up. Pretty much. Right? Yeah. And there were no helmets. No. No helmets. Mm-mm. No poles. Those fuckers sent 11-year-olds down a hill. I don't care how shallow of an incline or decline it was. Just wearing these fucking six foot, ten foot long, God knows how long skis are, implements on our feet. <laughs> My ski down the hill consisted of con- constantly falling. <laughs> Every three feet. For meters and meters on end. Meters. I am just fucking lucky that I fell on my butt every time. <laughs> and I I swear to Christ, I've rarely been more embarrassed in my lifetime. Once I got to the bottom of the hill, I took off those fucking skis and I walked right into the lodge, spent the rest of the time in that lodge. I will never put on a pair of skis again. <laughs> I swear to Christ, you fuckers are fucked up thinking again. that that was a good idea. I, yes. That was some bullshit, is what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. That's my skiing story. Yeah. But, ergo. I almost think that's better than what's going to happen oh, it's, here. It's, be- it's funnier. Yeah. It's much funnier. It's so, uh, but like, <laughs> I've told you that story before. You have, but not with such drama. Not with oh, such, not with oh, such passion. Conviction. Yes. I... It was a very formative memory. Yeah. Let's just say that. I'm over here at that that point in my life, like. If oh, I, you were a, you were well, a wild thing. You were yeah. like jumping off of bridges yeah. and shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. God. <laughs> you don't know how cautious my parents. You I was, know how cautious I, my parents. Yeah, I do. Are. But I was doing that kind of shit when I was 11 too. So. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so, all that to say. If they weren't put fucking putting helmets on 11-year-olds, I can see a grown woman being like, I mean, do I really need a helmet? Yeah. So, those were the circumstances. So, at some point on this slope, this beginner trail, she fell. Okay. And she hit her head. Okay. So, she did hit her head. Now, she hit her head on packed snow. Sure. Which can be hard. Well, here's... Can be hard? Yeah. You you know from packed snow. Sure. That shit it, can be fucking cement. It can be. If it's packed yeah. enough and iced over. Yeah, it can be. And that's the shit she, she fell on. Oh, yeah. That's the, so that's she like, hit her that's head. It's like hitting your head on concrete. On though. concrete, exactly. That's exactly what it's like. Now, she did not lose consciousness. Mm-hmm. She stayed conscious the whole time. She didn't even... She didn't complain. Nothing. Which makes sense because I don't know about you, but the times that you like fall or do something, and you like your well, first your, instinct um, is embarrassment, and you're uh, like you're like the adrenaline in your yes, body takes over. Yes, there is an adrenaline. Yep. Yeah, it's and, just like all right, we're gonna get through this. Like it's uh, you're gonna be foggy for a little bit, but and as much as I'm a, I'm gonna give a whole PSA later on. Like I fully acknowledge that I'm. The person who's like, I'm okay, I'm okay, it's okay. Because, like, I'm whatever the ipo- opposite of a hypochondriac is. I'm True. like, you're, if I just like pretend like that this isn't a problem. You're calm to almost a sociopathic level. A little bit. <laughs> I'm like, if I just pretend that this isn't a problem, it'll go away. 
That's not how life works. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not how emergencies work. And that's nope. some bullshit. And we'll talk later about it. But I see her her course, logic. Her instincts. Right? Yeah. Plus, not for nothing. She did hit her head. Yeah. So even if she didn't lose consciousness, we're not sure what was going on in her brain at that point. Of course not. Now... So she, like, bounced back up, and she was, like, shrugging it off, laughing it off. She was in good spirits. Now, good on this person. The ski instructor was like, hold on. Just just to be She's, safe. He, said, uh, he or she, whoever this person was, said, look... This isn't this this isn't okay. Like, let's call ski patrol. Let's call an ambulance. Let's get you checked out. Make sure you're okay. Um, Natasha's like, no, 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 no. I'm fine. I'm fine. Ski patrol helped her down like, the no, rest of the mountain by sleigh. The ambulance arrived. So uh, they call for an ambulance at twelve forty three p.m. So presumably that's around when it happened when she fell. The ambulance arrived at one p.m. Natasha's like, look, guys, like, I'm really fine. Everything's fine. I, I don't need to go to the hospital. I don't want to get in the ambulance. Now, understandably, for legal reasons, the resort was like, look, here's the thing. Like, either you get in this ambulance and you let them check you out, or you're going to have to sign something to, like, an against medical advice sure. sort of a thing. Like That we did all that we could on our end. Bam. And that is understandable mm-hmm. because from a liability perspective, exactly. And you can't and like, force like, someone. Hey, we brought her to the ambulance. It was kind of, it was, and we gave, left the choice up to her. Now. And you can't force someone into medical not. treatment. Of course not. There are Unless like, they're unconscious, you know, then they're. Well, then they, there's no choice, period. Exactly. Or if they're considered mentally ill or whatever. Right. But, but in this case, like, she seems to be there out, was, out and around and, like, wary. They, they can't and, force her. Of course. That's assault, right? Yeah. So It's kidnapping, too. So she's like, sure, fine. She signed the waiver. She walked to her room. Uh, she was escorted by both her instructor and a member of the ski patrol. They were. Like, because even if they're like, okay, you signed the paper, we're still, still gotta concerned keep an eye about you. Yeah, just don't fall asleep. Uh, basically, right? So the ambulance left. Natasha got, got went back to her room. Apparently, so she's like, hey, I'm fine, I'm fine. The in- ski instructor is like, let me just hang out with you for a bit. So so the ski instructor was with her. Because I'm sure you've seen this kind of shit a million times at this point. We're going to get into all of yeah. that. So, and he's just trying to be on the absolute safe end. That's right. Knowing that this is like this is like a pseudo-celebrity, too. Or and hopefully it, just that they, this is a person who hit their head, and I want to be careful. Well, and that, I mean, but mm-hmm. I think that's where it's mainly coming from. But yeah. Well, or a lot of rich people. Who's taking a private ski lesson? That's it's true. not, yeah. you know, it's not, me and not you. kids from the projects, that's no. for sure. So she called Liam in Toronto, like, hey. In fact, she said, according to him, she, she was, like, joking about it. She said, quote, oh, darling, I've taken a tumble in the snow, end quote. She was brushing it off, like, it's not a big deal. No worries. And because, like, she made it sound so minor, Liam was like, okay, yeah, all right, you okay? Okay, all right, fine. Everyone's good? All right, cool. Maybe she even was like, oh, the ski instructor's with me. Okay, great, someone's keeping go, an eye on her. I'm going to go back to work on Chloe. Right. <laughs> go go work with these. I don't know what that is. I, I've, I've never, never seen of, it either, never yeah. <laughs> it's no, I looked at it, it's called an erotic thriller. I bet it is. Um, so what would later come to light is that at this time, Natasha was experiencing something known terrifyingly as the lucid interval. Mm. 
This is a known phenomenon in traumatic brain injury. So apparently it's very typical that after a traumatic brain injury, meaning, no, your brain's seriously fucked up. It's gotten hurt. The patient's condition actually temporarily improves. Sure. They're okay. Either they got knocked out, now they're conscious they're okay. They're like up and about, and they're like, I'm good to go. Or in Natasha's case, she didn't even get knocked out. Yeah. She just got a hit to the head, right? Now, this can last a few minutes. It can last a few hours. Mm. And this is probably one of the reasons that the ski instructor, this is my speculation, that the ski instructor and the resort were cautious, even though she didn't actually show direct, like, mental They knew at some point or another it was likely... She was going to enter this period. Or they didn't know, because maybe it was nothing. But they're like, but it could not be, too. So let's just keep an eye on you. So um, this this is where the PSA comes in, right? So this is me 100%. If I were Natasha Richardson, I swear to you, I probably would have done the exact same thing. Okay. Because that's me. Like, I get that impulse to Mm -hmm. say, like, oh, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. We're good. We're good. Let's keep going. Because there's a lot of things that come into play there. You might feel embarrassed. It's pride. It's mostly pride. But there's anxiety shit that comes into play, too. Because you... I don't want to go to the place where I probably need to go. Like, I need to... But I don't know how to describe this, but for me, it's like... Please, nobody pay attention to me. Yeah, I of don't course. want this Any version attention. of attention on me. Now, you know I'm a, as much of a ham as the next person. But when it comes to, like, this type of attention, it's like, no, well, no. nobody wants that. Exactly. So, but, and then it comes into, like, oh, no, I'm sure I'll be fine. Which I can walk you it don't off. No, yeah, mm-hmm. it's a it is a walk it off thing, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's a, an additional. If you're kind of the person who tends to brush shit off, she's a mom two times over. She's been through childbirth twice. Yeah, that shit is dangerous, you know. So I really get that. It is so easy to brush off a bump to the head, especially if you don't lose consciousness. Losing consciousness might scare a lot of us, right? Sure. Rightly. But this shit can happen even not losing conscious. So the PSA is, and I will try to live by this, remembering that I'm telling everybody this, right? If you do get hit in the head or hit something with your head or fall and hit your head, and it's not just a little, literally a little bump. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've accidentally opened the cabinet directly into my forehead or something like that. I've actually seen you do it before. Oh, yeah. I've done it a thousand times. I've hit these fucking shelves I don't know how many times, and I just built them a couple months ago. But (laughs) if if you, especially if you fall, oh, my God. Well, that's that's something different, yeah. The actual emergent protocol is you treat it as if you have a traumatic brain injury regardless. That is the proper medical. As if you do or if you don't. Yeah. Because you can only find out if you're treating it as such. Exactly. So just go to the hospital. Mm -hmm. Just go to the ER. Um, And I know it fucking... Well, it's... I know it fucking sucks Mm -hmm. that here in in the United States, if, if you are here in the U.S., like, that could mean thousands of dollars. You know what? Figure that out after the fact. We'll help you figure that out after the fact. Just fucking do it. It's not that simple, though. Like, it's really not. It's not. Not the... I, I mean, I, I really fucking wish it were. Getting to the hospital... Yeah. Costs money in itself. That's true. Again, call... Let us know. 
We'll figure it the fuck out. That's all I'm saying. Like, I get that. I think for our audience, for the most part, they could get to there. Don't not do it because you're worried about the cost. Period. Let's hope most of our audience is insured, but we know for a fact that not all of them are. I don't give a shit if you're insured. Call the fucking ambulance and go anyway. We will help you figure it out. Period. That's how that works. We will help you figure it out. Because I... I'd feel like fucking blood on my hands if I didn't say, no, you need to get your shit. Haul your ass to the ER. Period. Because this is the shit that can happen. And we're about to find out what it is. But that's the PSA. Anyway. So, after this lucid interval, it's typical for the patient's condition to then begin to deteriorate. That's what happened to Natasha. So... Throughout, like, around the next 90-ish minutes or so, so, like, within an hour or so, hour and a half, she started complaining of a headache. Sure. Remember, the, presumably, like, this did again she, is hard uh, to piece together, but... Did she vomit at any point? There, I found no, no okay. reference to that. That's usually, a, like, that, a telltale that sign. That can be a sign. That's yeah. correct. That can be. I did not I'm talking about vomiting after you hit your head. No, I understand. No, yeah. I saw no reference to that. Okay. That can be a symptom. Again, not all symptoms are experienced by all people. Mm-hmm. Um, I did find reference to she started experiencing headache, yeah. complaining about a headache, well, and her... seeming increasingly confused. Well, because her brain... We're going to call... We're going to talk about what was her, going on. Her brain's not fully functioning. We're going to talk about what happened to her brain, yes. So, Natasha's complaints of a headache and her devolving mental state, which included confusion... Um, caused, I don't, I don't know who it was. My guess is the ski instructor, if he was, he or, if they were still with, um, Natasha, but at 2.59 p.m., so this is less than two hours when the ambulance was previously there, they called another ambulance, and at this point, it was like, she, she's not getting a say in this because she's confused and has a headache. So they loaded her up. They sent her to Centre Hospitalier Laurentien. Very nice. Perhaps. In the town of Saint-Agathe-de-Mont, about 38 kilometers or 23 miles southeast of the resort. We're talking like fucking rural ski town yeah. in Quebec. So it, it took a bit, you know, to get her to a decent-sized hospital. Now, at this point, Liam's assistant, Joanna, called him and was like, hey, I think you need to get to Natasha, so you need to leave Toronto. Well, thank- to I was going to say, thankfully, he, he's in the same country. He, yes, not, he's not, not far. not that far away. No, he's not at all. He's not far at all. Um, so he immediately got a... And he's he's rich and a celebrity, so he got a private flight. He's I was like, just okay. going to say, or a helicopter, one or the other. No, it was a private yeah. flight. Um so despite the emergence of the situation, when Natasha first arrived at the hospital in St. Agatha, she seemed to be okay, like in decent condition. Her vital signs were good. She could breathe with supplemental oxygen, but it didn't take long for her condition to just keep... T- her, she was just going downhill. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this is a small town hospital, and they were like, look, this is not the place for somebody with a traumatic injury. Like, she needs to get to an actual trauma center here. Mm-hmm. Um, so they loaded her on another ambulance, and they headed down to Montreal. They're of like, course. you need to get her to a proper trauma center. Mm-hmm. So at this point, while this is happening, Liam is in the air. His pilot got the information 
hey, reroute. Don't go to St. Agatha, go to Montreal. You need to get this guy to Montreal. So they did. They rerouted, went to Montreal. Liam would later recount, quote, I thought that it was this comfortable little city. That's what he's saying about Montreal. Because mm-hmm. he had only been there a couple times before he said, and for some reason I thought the hospital that I was in a taxi racing toward was going to be a nice little hospital. But it was this huge glassy black place, end quote. So he's he's in a major metropolitan yes. city but doesn't realize that at the time. So he's going to this trauma center. He, By the way, like as far mm-hmm. as Canada is concerned, mm-hmm. like one of the main trauma centers in Canada. Like McGill, is Uni- it? McGill University is in mm. Montreal, and yes, I mean. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I didn't read what trauma center she went to. Yeah. I could, I didn't find reference to that or didn't see reference to that. Um, but it sounds like I know in Miami, Jackson Hospital is mm-hmm. like the place. If any time on the news they say airlifted to Jackson Hospital, it's like you, you know, know it's a serious head injury. You know a- any traumatic injury because oh, a true. trauma center is very different from a typical hospital. hospital. That's right. Um, in fact, there was an entire Quincy Emmy about trauma centers. So I know all about trauma centers, yes. Um, thank, but, you, thank you, Quincy Emmy. <laughs> but like you said, McGill University, they're, uh, the same thing with Jackson Hospital. It's mm-hmm. affiliated with the University of Miami. Mm-hmm. They're often teaching hospitals because these are like the worst of the worst situations yep. and therefore the most valuable to learn from. Yep. So, yeah. So he walked, Liam walks into the emergency room. There, he's like, you know, it's an emergency. It's an ER. There's, there's a bunch of shit going on. Secu- security wouldn't let him through. Nobody was recognizing him. You know, here's he. He's this like international star, but he's in like French Canada. Hey. <laughs> no, we. Oui? Oui? <laughs> he's he's in you know Montreal, which also. From my understanding, Montreal people are own, not uh, impressed with much of anything. Well, no, it's Quebec in general. <laughs> oh, it's, okay. It's, All uh, of Quebec. Yes. They, they have their own thing going on. Mm. It's kind of like... Um, they their are own the, little world. They're they're the uh, Texas of, uh, of Canada, <laughs> Quebec. Are are they um, also very conservative? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Really? I, I, didn't, so. I don't yeah. think I knew that. Well, okay. in, in Canadian standards, yes. Uh, it, that's fair. It's all very different, mm. but still. Um, so... He, I'm guessing that Liam Neeson in 09 is like, wait, you don't know who I am? But security initially... Taken? (laughs) Taken? What's taken in French? I will will come from... I'm here to avenge my daughter? Like, what? (laughs) I will hunt you down? Do you not know this? Nothing? So security initially would not let him through. So he... And he was trying to, like, make a call on his cell phone. They're like, you can't have phones in here. He walks outside... Sees a couple. Well, he's of, probably trying to figure out also if he's in the right place or not. That's too. fair. You so know? he's outside to use his phone. He sees a couple of nurses on a smoke break, and he approaches them. One of them is like, "Hey, that's Liam that's Neeson." Neeson. <laughs> and he's like, "I'm here to see my wife. Like, where is she? This is her name." She, she lets him in the back door and says she's like down and on the right or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. literally pointed out the room to him. He goes down, goes to her room. Um, and finds her, and she is not conscious. Um, they sorted everything out. Uh, a doctor that he repeatedly calls, like, he's like, he looks like he was 17 or 18 years old, so clearly, like, a young doctor, um, is like, okay, look, I'm gonna show you the x-ray of her head. Mm-hmm. 
And in Liam's words, quote, you didn't need to be a rocket scientist to see what's hap- what was happening. You know, it's it was like a cartoon. You know, the brain squashed up against the side of the skull. God. And it's as the blood tries to get a release, it's you know, and close. Yeah. So for somebody who's not medically trained to look at an x-ray and be like, oh, shit, it's bad. This is bad. And that's what he was seeing. Of his own wife's head. Mm-hmm. So it went from, honey, I'm fine. I took a little slip and fall to She's going to die. an assistant saying, hey, you need to go because yeah. something's going on to no, go to Montreal to finally making your way in to the doctor told him, I'm sorry, but your wife is brain dead. Yeah. That's literally what this guy experienced. So. What Liam was describing there, the brain squashed up against... So, what Natasha actually had was an epidermal hematoma. Sorry, epidural hematoma. There's a difference. So, it's it's a type of brain bleed. The brain is bleeding between the dura mater, which is the the membrane that covers the brain. So, the brain has an actual membrane. Mm -hmm. Insane in the membrane, right? (laughs) It's what... what, um... Anthony Hopkins' character. In Hannibal. In Hannibal, cut off. Peels off, yes, that's exactly the right. Mm-hmm. So there's a membrane around the a, the brain, and between that and the actual bone of the skull, there's a bleed, mm-hmm. a brain bleed. Now, that starts to grow, and then it squishes down the brain. It compresses the brain, right? Um, that's not good, to no. say a very obvious thing. So if you're if there is any chance of surviving an epidural hematoma like that it's emergency surgery relief the get rid of the bleed right mm-hmm. release the pressure they drill into the skull the whole fucking nine yards right um otherwise either permanent brain damage or death occurs because natasha declined initial medical treatment by the time her epidural hematoma was diagnosed and liam was looking at that x-ray she was brain dead it was too late Coulda, woulda, shoulda, if she had gone in that ambulance, gotten the imaging. This is assuming that all would have happened in a timely fashion, but still. Because uh, I don't know where they were. They would have taken it's, or it's whatever. A, it's, it, I mean, it is what it is. It's a freak accident. It, it really is. It is. And again, I cannot fault her for her choice because I probably would have said the exact and, and, same and, thing. And there, there were at least a couple people who were like, well, well we're just going to hang around no there were some people who were genuinely concerned yeah just, just to make sure and again you can't force someone into no. medical treatment they don't want no so nobody is nobody's at fault, at fault here, at all including natasha because she no. had no reason to like logically for someone who's not medically trained believe I'm that i'm trying to think of, like the happen. amount of fucking times i hit my head i know like you know yeah i know i know so uh, yeah um According to Liam, he told her that he loved her and said to her, quote, sweetie, you're not coming back from this. You've banged your head. It's, I don't know if you can hear me, but that's, this is what's gone down. And we're bringing you back to New York and all of your family and friends will come, end quote. That was his recounting. He had a Mm -hmm. moment. He talked to her. Could she hear him? Who knows? Probably not. I mean, she's brain dead. No. But you know what? It doesn't matter. No. You just had to get it out. Bam. And that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. Um, so Liam made good on his word. Uh, he, Natasha was transported to Lenox Hill Hospital. 
In Manhattan, on Tuesday, March 17th, her mother and sister were seen entering the New York hospital later that day. Lauren Bacall ended up visiting her. Like, she was Mm -hmm. surrounded by friends and family. Liam said later that he and Natasha had a pact with each other that they would pull the plug. Mm. In his words, pull the plug. If either were brain dead or in a vegetative state. So, like, you and I have... We've got that, too. Well, we have... We have documents mm-hmm. to that effect. Yeah. And I believe we chose, I said, pull the plug. Like, not even, you don't even have to make the choice, pull the plug. And you said, you you decide what's best. Mm-hmm. And those are both valid choices, whatever, um, whatever you decide. But please, oh my God, have estate planning. Just another PSA. But, um, but he made good on it. Um, on Wednesday, March 18th, they removed Natasha from life support. Yeah. Her heart, kidneys, and liver were all donated and helped save lives. Liam said he thought, quote, she would be very thrilled and pleased by that. Sure. End quote. So it's very nice. Natasha's body was autopsied the day after she died. Very straightforward. Her cause of death was listed as, quote, epidural hematoma due to a blunt impact to the head. Yeah. That's just mm-hmm. So the theater lights of Broadway and the the West End, which is like London's version of Broadway, were dimmed on March 19th, 2009, in honor of Natasha. Her funeral was held on March 22nd, near the family home in Millbrook, New York. The funeral was attended by, I'm sure among many others, uh, Holly Hunter, Timothy Dalton, and Alan Rickman. Uh, more name-dropping, Timothy Dalton was her pseudo-stepdad for a while. <laughs> Okay. He was Vanessa Redgrave's partner the, uh, for like 15 years. <laughs> the least known Bond. I yes. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. He was Bond for at least two films, maybe three. Yeah. That's when I. The, those are the first couple that I saw. I know him from the Scarlet miniseries because my mom was uh, super into that, starring Joanne Wally uh, as Scarlet. I don't know who that is. Joanne Wally Kilmer, mm-hmm. as in Val Kilmer's ex. Oh. You I... saw the Man Who Knew Too Little. You you know that movie. I do. Yeah. She She's the girl. Oh. She's the main, main lady. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So Natasha was buried near her mother's mother, Rachel Kempson. So her maternal grandmother. Liam went back to film the rest of Chloe after the funeral. He said, quote, I just think I was still in a bit of shock, but it's kind of a no-brainer to go back to that work. It's a wee bit of a blur, but I know the tragedy hasn't just really smacked me yet. End mm. quote. People do a lot of shit in shock. Interestingly, in Love Actually, another one of his roles in 2003. That's right, I think. he was. They played. Don't, he, he played a funeral? widow. And didn't they play. Uh, Widower. Widower. <laughs> yes, and didn't they play. Uh, not the Bee Gees. Um, the Bay City Rollers, like for, the, for her be funeral. Be my. No, 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 that's all. S A S A T U R. No, 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 no. It was baby, 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 goodbye. I thought they played Saturday night. Bye bye baby baby goodbye. No, it was uh, bye bye baby goodbye. Uh, okay. By the Bay City Rollers, but it was not SA Night. No, it wasn't that one. <laughs> I thought it was. Okay. No, it wasn't. Trust me, I've seen That's it way right. too he many was times. In that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody British is in that movie. Yes, everybody British. Except Maggie Smith. Therefore it's not a true British movie. Don't know who that is. Anyway. Oh my god. Natasha Richardson left behind her husband of fifteen years. Her 13-year-old son, Michael, and her 12-year-old son, Daniel. Now, notable Irishman and douchebag Bono (laughs) came around to the Neeson household soon after Natasha's death and for a hot second was something other than a douchebag. So he asked Michael, 
Like, hey, how old are you? And Michael replied, I'm 13. Bono was like, that's how old I was when my mom died. Mm. Now, we'll forgive him for the fact that he was actually 14. Close enough. Bono is... uh, um, Extends beyond yeah. numbers. I mean, if, it, if, it, if it's not about him, then... But, but... But yes. In... I'm going to give Bono an inch, and you know I rarely yes. give him any leeway at all. His mom actually died of a brain aneurysm. So almost... When Bono was 14. I've had a friend die of yep. a brain aneurysm. Extremely sad. It's just fucking... Very sad. Yeah. Very random, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he and Michael had that in common. Liam would later say that that really helped his son by showing him like, hey, this this happens to a lot of people who then go on and are able to be successful douchebags. So there you go. <laughs> ah, I just hate Bono. You, you too, I ladies don't, and gentlemen. I don't have any problems with Liam Neeson, but I don't like Bono. <laughs> no Bono. Mm. No boy, no. (laughs) No boy, no Bono. Understandably, even years later, Liam has still struggled with the sudden loss of his wife. I mean, that's a left field sort of curveball. I mean, this episode's like hitting close to home for both of us, I'm sure. Yeah, I couldn't imagine. I know, I know. In an interview with Anderson Cooper in 2014, notably also Anderson Cooper has suffered a lot of loss in his life. I know he's like Silver Spoon guy. In fact, there's a lot of parallels actually to him and the Kennedys because his mom was a Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. She's dead. He, he is a Vanderbilt. He is a Vanderbilt. His brother jumped out mm-hmm. of a building window in front of his mom. Like, yep. it was horrid. Yep. Like, so he's he knows from grief. Like, he really does, so not gonna... He also hosted the mole, so we're not gonna give Anderson a hard time. And he had, he had sick close-ups. <laughs> yes, he did very, like, good with, poses. With, with, with a leather jacket on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, Liam said, quote, it was never real. It still kind of isn't. This is in 2014. Sure. There's, there's periods now in our New York residence when I hear the door opening, especially the first couple of years, she would always drop the keys in the, on the table, say, hello? So anytime I hear that door opening, I still think I'm going to hear her, you know? And then grief's like, it hits you. It's like a wave. You just got get this profound feeling of instability. You feel like a three-legged table. Just suddenly you just, the earth isn't stable anymore. And then it passes and becomes more infrequent, but I still get it sometimes. And sure. a lot of people comment that, like, you know, grief isn't an event, it's a process. Of course. And it's a lifelong process. And it's never over. Mm-hmm. Yep. It really isn't. Natasha's mother, Vanessa Redgrave, who's still alive and had to mm-hmm. see her daughter, her oldest daughter, you know, die and saw her in the hospital hooked up to all those tubes. She said, quote, I still find it very difficult, of course. I found it difficult when my mother died, but I knew she had to. I was grief-stricken and missed her desperately because she lived with me for the last few years of her life. But you accept that, even if you rebel spiritually because you can't bear your mother to have gone. Nevertheless, you know this has to happen with old age. But when your daughter dies, it's so unacceptable, particularly when it's not expected in any shape or form. Actually, it's pretty terrible if it is expected, end quote. Which is just, that is a very common refrain, just the idea that it's incredibly unnatural for a parent to outlive their child and how traumatic that is to the parent. Uh, Just in the natural world, it's just not supposed to work that way. That's not how the years work out. But it does. Mm -hmm. It happens to all species. 
The Redgrave family had the unpleasant experience of losing not only Natasha in 2009, but also Natasha's aunt, Lynn Redgrave, and her uncle Corin within a month of each wow. other in 2010. So her mom, Vanessa Redgrave, lost Natasha in 2009, and then a year later lost both of her siblings. Yeah, she had to go through that shit all at once. Um, so Vanessa's now the lone Redgrave siblings, yeah. I can't, like, losing both of them in the in span a of a, yeah, yeah, there's no way. After your daughter died the year before. I mean, that's just I don't shit. have, I don't have one of those. No, I know, like, but still, but, can you, like, yeah. that'd be horrid. Yeah, I, no. No, thanks. Natasha and Liam's son, Daniel, went on to establish an eco-friendly clothing line called Pine Outfitters. So he's, like, 24 now. Um, yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, mid-20s. So both, now both, we get to, now are. we get to see the kids. And it's pretty great because they look like their dad. That is Daniel. Yeah, he very much. And his business partner. Yeah, they look like both of them. I know, right? They both this, got they both got the cheeks. No, this isn't their kid. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's oh their kid. okay. That's his business partner. Okay. Mm-hmm. Unrelated. <laughs> um. So Daniel said of his mother, "Quote: She was one of my biggest role models. She was always about don't ever feel like you." have to be forced down a tunnel to fit in do what you want to do but do it your best do it to your best and be generous with it end quote his brother michael is now 27 and goes by the stage name michael richardson presumably in honor of his mother sure that's not michael richards no different person entirely um so here is liam let's not confuse the two no 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 no. liam and michael father and son clearly yeah definitely yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Tall kid, too. Yeah. You can tell. Because his Not dad's as tall as dad. But he's maybe an inch like shorter. He's like 6'2". Yeah. yeah. So, uh, he has acted in several films, including the 2020 film Made in Italy, in which he starred alongside his father, carrying on as the next generation of his mother's legendary family of actors. Sure. And that, my friends, was the story of the death of Natasha Richardson. Mm-hmm. It's one I've been wanting to do for a very long time. Not sure how we stretched that into an hour and 40 minutes, but we did. Well, because we talked about the Red Graves for like yes. 30 minutes. <laughs> that could have been its own episode. Could have been almost. Like the Kennedys, right? We yeah. did that in a mm-hmm. multi-parter for the same reason. Jeez, they were basically like the Kennedys. Of acting. Uh, yeah, of, of British, British acting. Bracting. <laughs> With slightly less tragedy. Yeah. Because the Kennedys, slightly oh less. my God. Well, I mean... Talk about talk about tragedy being relevant to the Kennedys. Like nobody can understand that sort of like maybe the hits keep on. Coming. Yeah, I was gonna say like maybe descendants of uh, mm-hmm. Mao Zedong or, but that <laughs> that'd be about it. Um, yeah, that's a crazy episode and it's sad. It's really sad. Just like it, it's one of those fragility of life topics, mm-hmm. you know, like. Just like that. Well, I mean, I, I, I mean, I thought of him like I've hit my head so many mm-hmm. fucking times, you know, and I didn't drop dead two hours later. Well, I, while I disagree with the concept of God, I understand the saying there, but by the grace of God go I. Yeah, well, sure. Because it's like you don't know how what's going to happen. How many times have we all yeah. lucked out? Of course. The difference between the alive and the dead are like luck. <laughs> Frankly. I mean, to a degree, and and seconds, and yes, uh, timing. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I've often said that luck is actually timing and privilege. 
I don't know about that's well, my that's my opinion, but anyway, certainly timing. Because I don't believe in any supernatural or extraordinary um, explanation to it, but I just and I also just really, really feel that like. I hope that after this, I won't be the person who does this, but certainly prior to reading about this and researching it, I would have done exactly what Natasha yeah. did, and I would have been oh, yeah. dead just like her. I mean, I, yeah. And this also, this also becomes relevant, it became relevant a lot more recently with Bob Saget, who I'm sure, sure will do his yeah. story one day. Um, by all accounts, so he he had a different type of, of bleed. Sure. It was not an epidural hematoma, but it was something extremely similar. I looked it up and I forgot what it was. But anyway, um, same, very similar thing. But he was in bed, so presumably he had hit his head. But maybe he entered his lucid period. While he's asleep. N- no, oh. right after. So he yeah. was fine. Yeah. And he's like, went to bed at norm- as normal. But then died during the night because he was asleep, yeah. you know? So, and no, there was no intervention. Because, again, that's what I would have fucking done is just be like, oh, well, I mean, damn, that was a bad head bump, but I'm okay. On top of that, you're not in your right mind anyway. That's the other thing is how much of it is a conscious choice and yeah. how much of it is your brain's a little fucked up and is making those choices I, for you. I think how it's much a, control do we have over I, that? I think it's much more of the latter. I like don't know. But, well, we don't well, th- know. Well, thankfully. No, I know, but yeah. we, we don't know. Huh. Certainly hope that, like, some part of our brain... If, if that is what it is, you know, that our brain is making the decision without our conscious thought, I sure hope that if that happens to me somewhere in my brain, it's going to think Natasha Richardson and make me be like, I guess go ahead, call the ambulance, you know? Yeah, there you go. Or sure, no, no, I won't sign the waiver. Take me to the, you know the hospital i don't know i mean I, I just remember the first time i got hit in the head really hard playing hockey my mm. head got smacked Whiplash, against, the, like, yeah, against back. the back of the glass because uh-huh. um, i just didn't brace for a hit that i saw mm. coming which that was the last time i did that Jeez. um and i just i just remember there i remember there's just being the separation from what mm-hmm. i was thinking and mm-hmm. how my body reacted because mm-hmm. ultimately when you get hurt playing hockey there's no out of bounds in hockey you're literally in a... Yeah. yeah. So your first instinct is, I've got to get to the bench. Mm. Like, just, you know... Because, get out of this gate well, and take and, myself And because out they don't this. blow the whistle either. If somebody, right. Unless somebody's, like, seriously right. injured. Mm-hmm. Like, the game continues. It's like, it's yeah. on your own to fucking get off the ice. Mm-hmm. So that's your first instinct is, like, I just need to get to the bench. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking... I remember thinking that. Mm-hmm. And, like, there was just, like, a delay with my body. You could feel the difference, yeah. Well, it just didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. That's all. That's all. I, that's the only way I can explain it. But I just remember there being like a, like instead of oh, I'm just gonna get to the like I need to get to the bench, and then like four seconds later, like the, uh, the, the okay. pro, like the like the process began. Like the neurons were <laughs> taking their time yeah. moving through. Well, I uh, the the one time I have fainted, I fell and I hit the side of my head. Um, I hit my shoulder against a door handle and the side of my head against the floor. What random shit said that that wasn't a... Why didn't that turn into a brain bleed? But Natasha falling did. You know, like, this is the randomness of life. This is shit. Yeah, it is. (laughs) And this is why people believe in God and stuff, because that feels more ordered than not. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
you know, and I get it. And again, I'm not going to, anyway, now I'm getting, I'm philosophizing now. <laughs> I've been passionate. Now I'm philosophizing. Oh my goodness. But next week, yes. I'm not the one presenting, right? You are not. In honor of our fifth anniversary, I don't know how that I'm happened. Sure how that happened either. <laughs> I actually had an idea that we could do it on YouTube because it'd be easy. All we literally have to do would be to, we'd have to change this around, but anyway. If you figure it out. Okay. And you set it up. Okay. Well, I don't want to damage your computer. I'll tell you how to set it up. <laughs> yeah. Because that computer would have to be right here. Is where okay, it to okay, be. that's fine. I can yeah. move shit. That's yeah. not a problem. Because it's got a, yeah. A camera? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So that's so maybe that'll happen. Oh maybe God, it won't. Who knows? You guys know us by now. It's five years in. What will happen is we'll have a topic. Is we will have a topic that is not a listener script, and we appreciate oh. listener oh, scripts. Of course. We will always appreciate. We them. were gonna do a listener yes. script if my fucking manic uh, hyper focus hadn't kicked in. We were gonna do a listener script. Trust me, we are hoarding that shit. Yes. So always send one in. Sorry, sorry yeah. Zach, that yours may have been deleted, oh, edited. Oh, that was so like, sad. It sucks. It fucking sucks. That was so sad. I'm like, oh we've my lo- god. We've, we've lost episodes early on. We couldn't remember. There was a couple. There was we one. Yeah, no, there was one. Could we not lost find. the audio to. Yes. Yeah. And there have been a couple that we we did and everything, and we're like, this is this is shit. Yeah. Like these are bad. We have done a couple of. It's them been a over. really long time since that happened. That was within the first year, but yeah. yeah. But uh. But yeah, so we'll have something. What I can guarantee, it's it's going to be a fun topic. Oh, good. I think we've had, there's been enough serious shit going on <laughs> lately. So for our fifth year anniversary, we're, we're we'll going to have a little, little bit of fun. Come on. There's, there is some tragedy involved that has to qualify. Yeah. Well, Not it doesn't, crime? Well, it doesn't have to. It's our podcast. We can do what we want. Not crime. Okay. But it'll, it's... Uh, it's just going to be one of those that just makes you scratch your head and like... Okay. As I've always said, it's never the person who comes up with the bad ah. idea. It's the person who backs them up on it. There you go. That's definitely going to come into play. Gotcha. <laughs> so enjoy next week. Yes. I don't even know what it is. However, and in whatever media you can enjoy it. <laughs> we'll find out. We'll figure it out. We'll all find out or, together. Or we won't, and you can enjoy it how you're enjoying it right now. There you go. Yes. It'll be released regardless. Yes. Into the world. So that was the death of Natasha Richardson. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week. <laughs>